0: Welcome to the Tiny Plastic People podcast, the podcast about tiny plastic people. So we paint them, and we play with them, and we're going to tell you why we think Inquisition 28 is great today. So with that intro aside, we are going to talk about Inquisitor 28, 28 Inqua, or whatever it is, and joining me today is Tom. Hello, I'm Tom.
1: I I like Ink 28 because it makes for some wild kitbashes, and that is the best
0: bit, in my opinion. And I'm also joined by Drew.
2: Hi, I'm Drew. I'm a painter and terrain maker. Uh, I have an interest in lots of the specialist games, and that really overlaps with Ink 28 quite nicely.
0: Excellent. And I am James, because I forgot to say my name at the beginning, and uh, I am a converter and sticky bits together of things, and uh, just enjoy doing that a lot, so... It just le- leads you down the hole of uh, Ink28. As we're going to, I think we're going to stick with Ink28. Is that what we're going to go with this time? Let's go with that. Let's go with Ink28. Yeah, it is the thing of many names, but that's what we're going to go with. So, this podcast is going to be just all about that. Sometimes we talk about lots of things in a podcast, but this one we're just going to dive in on what we did. And so, first of all, I'm going to also say that last year we did a little campaign. I say last year, I say last March as well. It was just before we all went into lockdown fun. So it was the, basically the last bit of in-person gaming I did. And as such, I'm cherishing and holding on to it as the most important thing I've probably ever done in my life. Apart from maybe getting married or something like that. But that is, that is what we did last year. Um, and it was kind of like our first... It was kind of our first Inquisition 28 event, which... Uh, w- we all, were all involved in. Is that right? It was definitely mine.
2: Yes, I think I think we've all done a bit of uh, converting and things, but it was a, uh, I think a kind of combination of that, bringing it all together under a single uh, single roof, really, wasn't it?
1: It was. It was the first sort of small scale warband size forty k setting. That's a that's a whole set of restrictions there, but it was my first one of that that I ever did, and it went great.
0: Indeed. So. Let's uh, start off with uh, sort of saying, as we've come to use the Ink Twenty Eight term. Maybe, what does that mean for us? So, uh, Drew, what does Ink Twenty Eight mean to you?
2: I think, um, obviously, as opposed to bigger Games Workshop games, for me, Ink Twenty Eight is—it's really the story of well, normal or or normal-ish people trying to sort of live their lives out in the the weird and wonderful, or maybe not wonderful, certainly weird, 41st millennium, uh, away from the kind of legions of of troops and giant war machines and planet-destroying battles. It's a, a much more sort of personal story. Tom, what would you think?
1: Yeah, so I, I, it's funny. As, literally, as I'm just thinking about this, I, I remembered what was getting me sort of madly hyped for it at the time. And that was I just finished or recently finished reading... Aaron Denzey Bowden's *Emperor's Spears*, and that focuses on a um, uh, a member of a sort of support crew for one of the better word for a Space Marine. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff. And it was just a reminder, like you don't see the um, you don't see the small scale things in 40k. It's all about you know giant hulking war machines and another another cool stuff like that. Also, ink twenty eight and um, all the sort of things that go around that that sometimes gets tagged with blanchitsu so as a style is that sort of is very pro conversion and kit bashing. And as I alluded to, that is literally my believe really my favorite part of the hobby. So doing that and having ch- a chance to go absolutely sort of buck wild with that was I'm going to grab that and go go nuts with it, which was very fun. And what, what about you, James?
0: Yeah, I think very much the same as both of you. It's very much the exploration of the the little corners of the grim dark. And I was just thinking when you were saying oh, about the Spears of the Emperor, I've got the my original when I was but a lad. I had second edition forty k, and it came with Codex Imperialis. And in like the, I think in the first page of that, apart from the credits, it has uh, that little phrase that the uni- the galaxy is a big place, and you will not be missed. As the like tagline for the whole universe, and then it's full. That book is full of just these lovely. I think they are mostly John Blanche illustrations of just weirdos mm. in this weird galaxy who are just trying to get on, mostly trying to get on with guns and shooting each other. But yeah, it kind of encapsulates, particularly a lot of the more religious side of the um, uh, the uh, universe, mm. and I think that that's really interesting but like as a as a scene as a scene within uh the gaming world at the moment i i kind of think of it as like the local band who play incredibly good dark goth music but only 40 people have ever heard of them like so you get into 40k and that's like listening to paramore or something and then like someone that says oh yeah but have you tried necromunda and that's like getting into a bit of i don't know math rock and someone like says oh yeah but have you heard dillinger escape plan it's just like oh yeah okay
1: i've heard of one of those things
0: (laughs) and then eventually you just go down to your pub one day and there's just this amazing band who are just playing like goth as fuck music and you're like oh yeah this is my jam and then you tell everyone about it and they're like what are you on (laughs) about james so (laughs)
1: nice i i I enjoyed your your cool point there to some old um rule books because actually when that reminded me of the old uh the codex assassins which had which is not the same because assassins are the sort of hyper-powered super soldiers but they are on their own going out doing individual micro stories and that's um i liked that vibe
0: which Mm. you can
1: channel into ink 28 if you want
0: and it's it's something which it's still in the books just to um i read recently they've got the new dawn of fire series going on with um in the from the Black Library and the first book has this fantastic section where it's all just following one of the like an absolute menial surf on terror so this lady kind of gets the message and barely can read it and just like thinks oh I need to tell someone about this and then goes on a quest across the administration buildings to get there and in parts of that there's just like gangs of violent people who can't read fighting over paper and it's like Ooh, that's some good stuff, which you wouldn't think is in there because they've gone with this kind of, like, Marvel-inspired cover art, which I'm not against. It's kind of a big story, and, like, uh, I think I think they're, mm. you know, trying to appeal to a wide audience with that. But then inside this book is just this dark-as-fuck thing, which is great. I'm going to stop using dark-as-fuck, but it is dark-as-fuck. It's great. It is. It is. Both grim and dark.
2: Are we, uh, yeah, are we bleeping-swearing? Presumably not.
0: I don't, I, <laughs> don't think it's so. going to be a family-friendly podcast if we're just talking about horrible.
1: If only, if only there was a word for things which are both Indeed. grim and
0: dark. I guess we'll never know. So, as I said, we organised our first uh, event last year, and that was quite a fun experience for all of us, I think, and. We kind of came up with lots of... Well, you run into lots of challenges when you do that. You have to decide on how you're going to play these games because it's not a game which there is any... There's not a roadmap out there, really, for how to run an Inc. 28 event other than the other events which you see online often through Instagram pictures or like blogs of people who are also interested in this side of the hobby. So I think what a great place to start would be probably... Drew, how do you play Ink Ink Twenty Eight?
2: How do you play Ink Twenty Eight? Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good question, I think, isn't it? I mean, probably I'll start maybe with with how we ran it. I think. Yeah, I think that's. And then we could maybe talk about some of the sort of the the options that are around there. Uh, I mean, Ink Twenty Eight is is based on uh, an original Games Workshop set of rules that came out in two thousand and one, I think inquisitor uh which was a 54 millimeter scale game and that was actually after my time with games workshop as a as a kid so i i, I personally don't know an awful lot about it and, and that sort of brought together a lot of this sort of invocative stuff and so it's probably worth saying from the off that we, we didn't run with the inquisitor rules we ran with a, a different set of rules we used uh rules that were based on the current necromunda rule set but with a a kind of fan-made overlay document uh, called inquisimunda unleashed by liz isimachus uh, which was off uh, yak tribe and that kind of gave some options to take the sort of standard underhive necromunda rule set and take it out into space with with room for more kind of xenos characters and things and kind of give people more options there and i think for us that kind of was a good sort of starting point and it let us build up a kind of game
0: Mm, it was it was very much taking the ink not ink was it It, the necromunda rule set and removing quite a lot of the uh, the gangs particularly but keeping the core of the necromunda rules and then saying okay well we need to make stats for your characters how do we do that and then it just kind of gave you a I think it was points or something as a limit. Was that right? We, we used we used that.
1: Yeah. Well, what 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 are the major differences then between the between? Because I I don't play Net Commander, so I wasn't really aware of have my own experience of Net Commander is now through Inquisit Commander. Um. What so what are the what are the sort of major overhauls that that, that did, and, and and others did to that rule set
2: i think the main thing is I mean, necromunda is built to be around sort of gang fights where you're very short on resources and you know you're all basic humans to some degree or another um and with the expansion rule set it, it's really there to give you free reign to choose sort of weird equipment to build up i mean build up a kind of uh, a real Uh, Crew or party, I suppose. I don't want to say adventuring party because that uh, that sort of leads you in a certain way. But you know, effectively, that's it. I mean, in the in the most basic sense, you know, the classic would be a rogue trader and their crew, and they have come to a a place or a planet to to deal with an you know activity. So you might have you know a rogue trader who's a human, a you know a bodyguard who's an Eldar, uh, a squat as a kind of you know a technical characters and troopers and things so there was a lot of flexibility there about the kind of character you can be and what you can do um to expand it beyond you know just being basic humans i think is the predominant change
1: if i remember right you gave you a set of archetypes and sort of you can be different species or yeah, whatever you could, yeah. You know, to choose
0: from and it didn't give you to it, it was quite nice and stripped back and it basically said if there's equipment for it in necromunda you can take that if it's appropriate the experience points side of things. So between games, we weren't earning experience, which meant a lot less rolling and like that kind of progression. Because we were playing out our scenario was over a very short amount of time. Really, it was meant to just play out over the course of a day, essentially, almost. Um, and. Yeah, people were basically just free to build whatever they felt like within just that points constraint. So I had quite a elite force was mine. I used a I used a number of like kit bashed uh, Sisters of Silence for like a Sisters of Silence war band. So they've got power armor and things. And that's quite heady, high level stuff for Necromunda, which meant I couldn't afford that many of them. So I only had about f- Seven people max and two of them were dogs or weird dogs with robot heads and that that it just worked quite well um it works well enough for our needs so that was good uh there's other ways of playing inquisitor inc inc 28 as well we mentioned that it is based on inquisitor and you can still play inquisitor today if you can get hold of the rule books um i managed to get one from not from jeff bezos himself but one of his affiliates and that that that's got lots of rules. It's very—it's actually quite complex compared to what we we did. It's sort one of D100 tables, right?
2: I think it's it's quite telling if you know if Necromunda is the simpler <laughs> rule set to to play a yeah, game yeah. by. Um, and you know, for us, obviously, it was an advantage because some of us had played Necromunda before, but not everyone had. So it needed to be something that people could could pick up and. Uh, And run with... um, And teach as well, yeah. In in the space of a weekend. Yeah, and teach. Um, Which I think, using the original, hard to get hold of book would have been a problem.
0: Yeah, that is true. I did bring it... I remember I brought it along with me, and I was like, this has no use whatsoever. It's pretty, though. But beyond that, (laughs) uh, yeah. I've never managed to actually play a full game of it. People... Some of the Ink 28 stuff, it gets its name from essentially being scaled down 28mm inquisitor so that's kind of where that name comes from but inquisimunda inquisitor mixed with necromunda and see what they're doing there people are real smart aren't they with their branding um but there's other rule sets out there which you can use can any of you think of them
1: (laughs) no because i don't know them no but drew might
2: i don't know all of them i'm going to suggest the one that comes to mind for making it because at the end of the day i don't think rules are the important part for Ink twenty eight, and this is probably what we're going to go into later. But you know, the the rules are something that holds everything else together. So, to me, certainly, I, I think if you wanted to get into it and you didn't want to, you know, if you weren't already a Necromunda player, and there obviously is some issue that to have a full access of of, of Necromunda stuff, you obviously have to have all the Necromunda books already. Um, which, you know, between the groups of people we had involved wasn't too bad. But if you you know if you if you didn't have that, it would obviously be an issue. Uh, so I would suggest Kill Team. Um you know there there wouldn't be a direct comparison. There wouldn't be a I don't know of any fan rule sets to make Kill Team into Inquisitor or Inc. twenty eight. But you know it's a simple rule set and it's it's quite easy to get into for people. And I think, you know, anyone going into Inc. twenty eight should very much have a, a a homemade and a homebrew mentality to things. And, and kill team is a you know it's a simple rule set it's quite easy to define and things and, and that would be a good starting point for someone uh, who who wanted the kind of the bare bones approach to it and then i think james you're probably gonna have to enlighten us on the mm-hmm. other ones as you're the uh hesitate to say expert
0: and i'm definitely not the expert here but the there's the other rule set as well which is available online which is it's a homebrew rule set. I'm going to quickly look up who it's by because I um, only just downloaded it. So there is also the rule set Planet Twenty Eight, which is by a person called Nicholas Evans, which you can download online. I believe it's pay what you want on it. So if you just in, if you Google Planet Twenty Eight, you'll find the pay what you want page, and that's a rule set by uh, this chat, which is. A very stripped down how to play a very simple skirmish war game using any kind of miniatures which you have available with a sci-fi bent and I'm aware that there's actually a fantasy version of it coming which is a lot more about hitting people on the heads because there's also obviously there's a there's a little spin on everything for these things there's an AOS 28 movement to have more grim Age of Sigmar stuff as well so Going along those lines as well, there's the classic Mordime if you can find the rule books for that. I I remember playing that when I was a teenager and loving it and then
1: Is it is that more complex or less complex than Necromunda?
0: It's kind of like original Necromunda. I don't know whether I'd say that's more or less complex.
1: What would you how would you compare it? How would you put it on a level of complexity compared to Necromunda?
0: More complex. Yeah. Modern Necromunda's More complex, okay.
2: I was going to say yeah, old Necromunda is uh, is quite a lot rougher than the, the new Necromunda for from complexity. Yeah, the new one flows a lot better, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, the 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 new Necromunda rule set is really quite a great base to hang any kind of skirmish or fare off. It's got a lot of stuff around it now. Like when we were running our event, there was only we were in the book of phase of necromunda where it was the book of peril the book of uh enforcers and whichever book that was book of law book of judgment book of judgment and i think dark uprising had come out so we had the chaosy one as well but we didn't have any of the House solved books and those introduced another layer so necromunda is quite a daunting task now if you want to just get all of the rules but we ran it with i think i brought along two books including the rule book and i think that was enough to keep me going keep me happy
2: yeah you could certainly play with just the sort of the the bare bones basic necromunda books and still have a reasonably good time i think um because it is so flexible you know as long as you don't want to do everything you're you're gonna be okay um and you're not following the Necromunda rules, you know, to a T. So the idea of buying all the books just for Inc. Twenty Eight, uh, I think, would be a bit redundant. Certainly.
1: But so it's fair to say, if you're if you're familiar with the Necromunda rules, or you have those, you probably have more than enough to do Ink Twenty Eight.
0: Oh, definitely. If you've got, like Drew said, if you've got the Kill Team rules, or you've you've got an old copy of Necromunda lying around, or if you've got War Cry, mm. or any of these little skirmish games, they all they all give you a a place to jump off from, yeah. So I'm going to jump in and say, Tom, what makes Ink Twenty Eight special to you? Because there's got to be a reason why you yeah.
1: So it's it's that lower it's that medium sort of pitching level where like you want you want to do something that's forty k and up there in that power level, right? Because Necromunda, having never played it, my understanding is you're pitching at sort of gangs of of people. Sometimes they're augmented or what have you, but they're, and they're quite strong people, but they're not like mega chunky. Ink 28, like you said, you just get given a whole bunch of credits, and you say buy the cool stuff, buy the buy the things that you want to, to have completely free reign, and you're you are you are set loose to to let your imagination do whatever the hell it wants. So you know, like when when I made my guys for this i decided you know what they're gonna be they're gonna be tooled up scions of the mental legion what did that mean that this meant i bought them loads of really high cool uh, high spec techie gear they all had sort of like night vision goggles and laser guns and like a robot dog friend and stuff and that was extremely cool and that you know in Necromunda, it's I, I don't, i'm saying it's as if i know presume you're battling against um you know scarcity and, and things so that would be that's the seems to be the vibe that 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 channels and 40k is the opposite because you're running with completely tooled up armies and Inquisitive 40k sits in that middle ground and that, that the idea of sort of skirmish i really like skirmish games for the for that granularity but also can, you know little little warband it's that xcom feel isn't mm, it yeah
0: that's what i like about it and there's also just for me it's all about like the narrative which you can then string between your games and your warbands and your and the setting which mm. gets laid out—it's a real opportunity to really dig into those little weird corners, or tell your own completely different story. To big war happen on planet.
1: Mm. I think I think it's like they, the the fact that it sets you so free means you have to buy into the narrative side of it. Right? There is no, there is, there probably isn't, and if there is, it's, it's probably I mm, don't know how that's gonna go. Like competitive Inc. Twenty Eight, would that be a thing? Like, probably not. It doesn't really make sense. It is purely a narrative thing, right? If and if you buy the stuff and it makes you all overpowered, well, you know, maybe that's okay. But like, it's about the story that, like, exactly like you say, it's about the story that you make with the choices that you've you've done yes. narratively and with the theme and where that takes you. And that's yeah, that is really interesting.
2: Yeah, I think you're right there. That it, yeah, that, that's probably one thing that's worth stating from the off is that it, it is. It is only a narrative game. If you go into it with the idea that you're going to be the best, then you probably are going to be the best. And everyone is going to have a bad time.
1: Yeah, it's certainly, I, yeah, I think it's probably fair to say encourage going in with a completely narrative mind and that everybody might die.
0: I think everyone in my gay, in my group did die, I believe.
1: Yeah, I think everybody in my group also died.
0: I believe everybody died apart from Drew's
1: Orc. (laughs) I think everybody died apart from Drew's massive (laughs) captain, yeah.
2: I was just thinking that, you know, it obviously sounds a lot like a role-playing game, and I wonder if any of you had thoughts as to what makes it different from uh, an RPG. You know, if someone said to you, okay, I play D&D, you know, or, you know, the Soul Age of Sigmar game and things, or one of the 40k role plays. why why would I play Inc. 28 rather than play one of these offerings? And for me,
0: I think it was the modelling opportunity, not like for myself personally, but for the tiny models, which I can create and tell the story of um, when given the opportunity to do something which is telling a story with the miniatures that you create and then the games that you play and then the lore that you write behind them and the story that comes out of you interacting with the other players. That's something which is a little bit more broad in scope to the traditional Mm -hmm. tabletop RPG. Um, So like Soulbound is very much you inhibit a character you are expected to and in D&D you're kind of expected to Think of how your character would respond, but with a tabletop skirmish game you're obviously you're in control of more people you're in control of a group of individuals, and you have to think about more of what your you as a group your wants and aims are for that and something that we did was we had um n p c rules and rules for enemies to be on the table and how they would act and they would mostly run mostly run towards us and try and hit us with sticks but that meant that there's always opposition on the table regardless of who else is on the table which means that the first thing which you do when you see like my my warband sees another warband across the across the dusty fields of the planet which we are on and say like, well we're not going to shoot each other yet because we haven't determined that we're enemies but there's a bunch of weird tech priest things over there we should probably clear them out first and you're already making those decisions so it's
1: you suppose you 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 make decisions on behalf of your group don't you you're not it's not like you say with a a role-playing game you're 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 exactly like you said james you're 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 one character you're in your you act as them and it's you know you make decisions for them and then see what happens and it's it that's different from a from a table because ink 28 is, is ultimately is a combative tabletop war game if on a very small warband scale it is still about putting some models down and shooting them at each other. But then the, then the choice you make is like, well, mm. how is like, like the choice that I was, making, uh, you know, that I, I could make as the player of some mentors surfs is how would they be trained? Like what, how would they move around together? How would they, what, what would they care about? What would their objectives be Would this? You know, this guy would cover that guy because he's their boss. Like, and the, so, like I say, it's a more of a sort of tactical, um, that that tactical overview that you get to play out, which I, I, said before, it's like it's games like XCOM and that sort of, you know, um, Gears Tactics and those sort of games. You get that vibe rather than a rather than an R, you know, an RPG where there's always not always, but you know, the, in RPGs there's always the possibility of of you talking your way out, and that's unlikely to happen in a tabletop, <laughs> what is ultimately a tabletop
0: war game. Yeah, which is fun. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess we had the opportunity to do that, but also we spent a lot of time shooting people because they seem to be attacking. <laughs> yes, nothing. Yeah, t- yeah. Nothing
1: stops you from doing that, I suppose, because ultimately the game's up to you. Do you want? But it is. I think the default is there's going to be some shooting.
0: Yeah, and that was something that Drew came up with during uh, when we were planning the event. Was like the the AI for the enemy opponents which we had um i don't know whether you want to talk a little bit about that
2: yeah it's probably worth i mean talk about it being like a role-playing game you yeah. know <clears throat> when, when we came to write the event james and i were both on the mind that we wanted to run an event but we'd also quite like to play so we don't want to just dedicate ourselves to you know gming for everyone else we would like to have a chance to kind of get involved at the same time. And I think as we were talking about it just there, that there was this aim that if it was just players versus other players, it would end up, you know, very messy, very quickly. Uh, so we wanted to have a an, an adversary kind of system without too much involvement from from a sort of a dedicated uh, a dedicated GM. And we we came up with a sort of basic AI system there that meant that different types of enemy characters would respond in a different way depending on a sort of dice roll and the effect affecting that dice roll. So the sort of simplest example is that if a, an enemy has a lot of mates around them, they're feeling brave and they're likely to attack a lot stronger. If they're on their own, they might run away. Um, so the enemies themselves weren't using the same rules as... The player characters were so they didn't have cool checks they didn't have user use an equipment and they didn't have cool checks and their morale and stuff they entirely worked off a a set of of dice rolls that were when they when those characters were made to activate a a dice roll affected by modifiers would encourage them to act in a certain way and and that gave us a lot more freedom to set things up and and run things in a lot more sort of hands-off manner and then, sort of surrounding that, was a almost like a, a deck of cards that you moved through as the game progressed, uh, where certain events would happen, sort of dramatic occurrences and things, t- simple levels of the lights going off, or maybe enemy reinforcements coming in. Um, and that had some sort of balancing mechanics tied into it as well.
1: Yeah, this was all sort of, I say, so that, that adversary system was, was really fun and it, uh. But it did mean that somebody had to bring along an absolute mountain of enemies for us to shoot through, which you did a fantastic job on, James. These uh, these very spooky, horrible blue, bad mech. I remember yeah, that.
0: I mean that was, it. It just kind of happened to tie into my love of kit bashing, ad mech things. To have a lot of weird ad mech around because having those around means that I can take them along to events like this and say well these are the bad guys. Um and that was always fun and Drew also brought loads of mm-hmm. ghouls and the weirdos from uh... one thing is let's like, say like we're into kit bashing and stuff there's nothing stopping you just picking up like a box of uh, the Blackstone Fortress things and I think we threw the uh, ghouls and things in there as well just as more beasties and monsters to fight and that was also uh, like a, yeah, it was. It was a. It was a. I don't want to say it was just happenstance that I just happened to have a army. It's just that that was what I was interested in, and that's what it was I was in over the years. It was a convenient coincidence. There we go. Just happenstance. I oh, just find an admic army down here. Oh look, it's all kit bashed.
1: Oh look, whoops, tripped and fell over this new army that I
2: found. <laughs> I'm going to assume that anyone listening to this is you know is probably involved in at least one of the games workshop main games and i I think there you know yeah you have to plan for which game you know what game you have and what stuff you have to hand so if you've got three thousand points of orcs then your enemies (laughs) probably should be orcs um but if you you know there's obviously some flexibility there you you don't want to be just fighting all the most filthy chaos knights i mean that's going to be a very one-sided game but uh yeah, you have to use your sort of practicality there, and you know if you know you haven't got many resources, you mm-hmm. um, you, you plan for that, and maybe you do make the player versus player angle slightly higher. Yeah, the, the um, other
1: thing is, as as well as uh, the armies that you guys brought to be adversaries, was the uh, the terrain that really helped. Uh, a a, a, a hmm, what's the what's the phrase like a full and complete terrain set was added an awful lot to the event. And I know you, uh, you both took that to some, some quite big extremes, but it was uh, it was fantastic. And sort of the, the mountains and corridors we were fighting through was really added a lot to the, the feel of the
2: game, I think. Oh, no, thank you. Um, I mean, uh, is that a good point to kind of move on to talking to, you know, what is probably mm. one of the biggest part of Inc. 28, mm. which is the hobby side. And I think that's where we've all kind of come from. Um, and maybe to someone who isn't into Inc. 28, you know if we're talking to talk about the hobby is it a good time to ask the question you know as a person coming into it do you need to be an amazing kickbasher and have a bin bag full of bits do you think
1: James what do you think
0: no <laughs> no i don't think it. i think uh i think when i start like the actual miniatures i used for our event were actually some of the first bashes that I did upon getting back into the hobby. And I'd actually started them because when I started those, this is going to date them a little bit, was before there were Plastic Sisters of Battle and they were going to be Plastic Sisters of Battle. But then they started showing off the new Plastic Sisters of Battle and I said, well, <laughs> now they're Plastic uh, Sisters of Silence Acolytes or something else. But it was a, like a, a little project based on that. And I probably spent too much money on that project (laughs) by going through kit, like going through bits and kit websites and things, looking for the parts I needed. But the thing is, is that a lot of Games Workshop kits are very forgiving now for kit bashing. They will come with spare arms, they will come with spare heads, they will come with, or they will fit with other kits to. Uh, make something new. So the kits themselves are quite easy to uh, to find the ones which you really like uh, resonate with. And also because it's, it's it doesn't have to be a Games Workshop kit. You're probably not going to be playing Inc. Twenty Eight in Warhammer World or your local game store. Uh, we played in Brum. It was Brum wasn't it? In in Birmingham, which is where Brum comes from, and we played there.
2: Shout out to boarding Yeah,
0: they were very nice to host us. But also, because of that, we knew that there was no terrain there, which meant it gave us a complete blank canvas to build our world and the setting for our event, just knowing that we just had some table space. And that was, that was all we wanted. That's all we asked for. But kit-wise...
1: Well, to, to be fair, they, they do have some terrain just to just to pee back off, not to dunk on board and brum and say they haven't got any terrain. They've got loads of terrain, but not the terrain we wanted.
0: Oh yeah, they've got loads of terrain. Yeah. It it wasn't uh it wasn't Warhammer World style. Yeah. Um every table is the <laughs> resin, etc. Every table is an epic battlescape is probably not, not the right phrase to use.
1: So I would be a contrarian actually, James, and say that I think you if you if you'd never done any War games hobby, and you were like, hmm, I really fancy Ink 28. I would say it's it's gonna be difficult. Like I don't think I don't I think you'd have a you'd have an exciting challenge ahead of you. I think I'm not sure it'd be a great leaping in point. And I also think that actually it does help if you have loads of bits bits lying around and spare bits and, and pieces. I think it's probably gonna be an easier job if you've if you've been in the hobby for a while and you've amassed a little box of bits. You're probably gonna have a slightly easier time of it. Not to say it's impossible to do, um, like, you know, in the end, I had to end up, I ended up buying a couple of kits that I wouldn't have otherwise used, but I did make extensive use of many years of collecting to throw guns on and what have you. So I think it's actually going to be quite, I think if you have nothing, it's probably a difficult starting,
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: probably going to be tough to start, but I mean, could also be really fun to be unbound by yeah. years of experience, perhaps, maybe, maybe that's actually the best way to do it, I don't know can't have that perspective personally
0: but i i i do doubt that there are many people out there who would be interested in it without any prior experience of games workshop and the miniatures or 28 minute. but maybe someone coming at it from say infinity or frostgrave mm. or some another model yeah that's true uh war machine any any of the other 28ish mm. mill game Games which are out there there's nothing stopping you getting interested in it and games workshop does have a lot of fans who are just fans mm. of the lore. so the the black library is a huge huge publishing arm which i don't think many people appreciate is as big as it is and the reason why they churn out so many books is that those books sell mainly to people who are already invested mm. but mm. to people outside of it or who don't have the inclination to model and hobby
1: i think you make a good point about like infinity and stuff if you had a desire and you were like actually you know what? i think my infinity oh goodness i'm gonna show my ignorance here of, of anything to do with infinity but if you like your cyberman hacker dude and you're like i want he'd be cool as a guy then you can just like make that i mean no one's gonna care right that can be a, a cyberman hacker dude in 40k and you, yeah why not an elite ad make guy it's radical yeah i love it you've got a thousand points to make them
2: I think James might have captured something actually there by saying about the Black Library thing is that that's possibly the biggest step actually is that Inc. 28 is such a weird style of gribbly kind of peculiar character game. You know, it doesn't have to be totally gribbly. It doesn't have to be totally grim dark. But, you know, it is about, and I think as we all said at the top of the show, it was about, you know, it's the civilians of the, the 41st millennium. I, I think if you hadn't, read any of the black library books and if you didn't have a really good handle on 40k that is probably the bigger first step rather than you know having having the kind of the parts and having the model experience to, to get into the game i think it's possibly you know understanding how the world works is almost more important because it is so narrative
1: yeah that's a, that's a good point because like we said it is literally basically just a narrative game so if you don't if there's a uh you know, you need, you need some appreciation of what the what the, the setting is and what have you, yeah. So you need some, some yeah, kind of... Yeah, the
0: reverse of it would be, uh, say, Warhammer Underworlds, where it's like, that is a purely a competitive game. The models, you don't need mm. the models if you didn't want them. Like, you could play that as mm-hmm. a card game. I mean, it's got great models, mm. really flavorful, and you could even kit bash those models yourself into, like, your own... Like, I've seen people using like different war bands and things as the other war bands and things in a very grim, dark Mm -hmm. style or something, but it's still at its heart is a card game. You're fighting a a two player to four player card.
1: game. It's a a competitive experience,
0: isn't it? So pulling it back from that into just like, this is a narrative game. So yeah, you do want to be invested in the universe, much in the same way you want to be invested in the world of dungeons and dragons to get, to get Mm. an interesting game. Um, or at yeah. least
1: have an appreciation of like this is old timey
0: fantasy. Yeah.
1: If you if you if you don't know what the yeah, you need you need to have some appreciation of what it means to live in the 20, in the 41st
0: uh Warhammer future. There's so much which you could explore with it. I was just thinking like well you could explore going for a mm. uh a, a Tau colony of humans who don't worship the Emperor, they've got access to some higher technology and they could be investigating why they're all being sterilized or something. It's it's got all these Yeah,
1: or you could have you can have a you can have like an agri world of of just humans who don't know anything about anything. And how do they get on when baddies come to
2: visit? Yeah. I think that's I mean there's so many hooks, aren't there, that could, could lead to mm. it. And, and that, you know, that doesn't really limit the this of the hobby aspect. Uh, I mean, I think the groups, the groups that we have, and, and James made a, a lovely, lovely book for us to commemorate all our different war bands. So you know, I can actually sit down and look back at what everyone came up with, um, and, and they are all very different. It's a very sort of disparate approach to everyone's bands. Uh, you know what they're doing. You know, one is a bunch of local space cops. Tom had his spec ops teams of. Mental Legion serfs, you know, and James had his Sisters of Silence, and that you know left you know there's there's huge gaps there between those different groups. You know, they're working on different levels and they're acting in different ways, but they still you know they had a purpose to be there and they still interacted in different ways. And if you have bands again of like a Chaos Sorcerer and he's a kind of a cultist leader and things, he's going to act very differently to the Sisters of Silence as you know uh, a group of just you know grizzled mercenaries might you know the interaction between those characters there you know gives you a lot of options and you know that feeds into i think the uh the hobby aspect too because that you know you really can build whatever you like and sort Mm -hmm. of paint them however you like really um Mm. Because we have talked a bit at the start about sort of the the Blanche Zitsu approach to doing things, and I think that's very hand in hand with Ink Twenty Eight, the kind of John Blanche art style, scribbly pen and ink drawing, spiky weirdos with skulls for fists. You know, does does really tie into Ink Twenty Eight, but it isn't. It you know, it isn't the only thing there. If you wanted to do something different, then you, you've got the room to uh, to explore it.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's something which is really nice to. Um talk a little bit about is that it it is kind of hand in hand with that Blanchitzu blanchitsu style and you'll see if you use the correct hashtags on uh, your instagrams you'll find many of like the most popular grimdark ink 28 models to be in that style but it doesn't have to be in that style there's nothing stopping you using a more conventional style or even less conventional style, really. I think the the Blanchitsu style, which you see a lot of, is quite dark and dirty and it fits the theme quite well. But it doesn't have to be that way. You could Mm. do a very similar, like, you know, if you paint in a more heavy metal standard or even just wanted to, like, battle-ready whatever it is they call it. I don't think there's any problem with that, but it is... It is definitely one of those things. It's a bit peanut butter and jelly. Is your grim dark and your Blanchett Sue and your Ink Twenty Eight? go
1: mm-hmm. good too. I, I think it's probably because the uh, John Blanche's style sort of influenced the the Inquisitor. I can imagine that it's influ- influenced the sort of the, the the narrative of the books and stuff. So, for example, you know the Eisenhorn trilogy and things. You can you read those and you can think, yeah, I, I see how this could be pretty grim, and you can imagine it in that style, and it all ties together really.
2: Yes. And I suppose that's that is true i mean it, it's I think one of the bands we had was it was a set of orcs wasn't it who were mm. you know thought they were or had decided they were part of the imperial army and things they were very much themed around that, which is quite a kind of irreverent approach i suppose to to some of the you know, options that you might have you know uh, you know another group was an inquisitor with a fanatic and an Arca flagellant and stuff, and they are very <laughs> much the the grim end of the grim dark. But yeah, none of them felt out of place. They were all, you know, just different people's expressions of the way the sort of the the hobby works. Really for it.
1: Should we, I was just gonna say, like, do we 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 did cover the sort of power level this is pitched at, did we? So because it, it's not your uh, probably not gonna have Rabooty e. Gilliman st- stomping around having a having an old time. No, not at all. It is tends to be uh, humans, but like so above probably Necromander level, but less than space marines yeah
0: i think the the most the toughest thing was someone in power armor or an orc like we kind of went with that feeling that an orc is actually something big and scary for most humans so that is yeah. the upper level of the power the power level and we also had a few robots and things thrown like corrupted machinery and stuff and that was yeah. there to pose a significant challenge to the groups
1: it was like a, the boss battles basically like, there, was yeah. a, there wasn't like an ambot and then there and then you painted like a I'm not sure what it would end up being called, but essentially a tank. It was like
0: a walking yeah. tank. It ended up being a bit like one of those Destiny strikes where the robot comes down. Oh yeah. And yeah. then I believe Rich took its head off using a power claw or something. <laughs> it was it was good. Uh, and going on the narrative side, of think that again one thing which we did encourage when we ran our event was that everyone actually submits your backstory to the, it was to me and Drew but it was mostly to keep people thinking about what is the story behind your gang and or your war band and make sure that not make sure that you're keeping that in mind when you're playing but to give us some flavor of why you might be here and why you're going to the planet which we were all converging on for our mission and to get, keep that flavor going in the run up to the event so hmm. that was uh one reason why um, I personally, I was just like, I'm going to make a book of this. I'm a designer. That's what I do. <laughs> I just make books mostly. So I'm going to make fun books for our friends. So we made a, a book of all like the bits of lore and things we came, we were like doling out before the event and then during the event as well. Well, not during the event because I'd already printed the books, but maybe we were, I think we were going to, were we going to do a, a follow-up book and then coronavirus happened <laughs> and
2: then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think that sounds right.
0: So I think what we'll do now is like a sort of quick, a quick rundown of like what you need to run and attend an Ink 28 event if you either want to put it on yourself or if you want to just join in on one if there's one happening online near you or you're allowed outside. Yeah. Yeah. So, Drew, give me your top piece of advice for running an Ink 28 event
2: obviously we ran one uh, and I can't guarantee that everyone's going to follow the same kind of processes that we did. So I think the first thing you really need to have is you need to go into it with a very open mind about what you're going to, what you're going to do and what you're going to experience. And I mean, hopefully everyone's there to have a good time. And from all accounts, the Ink 28 community and those are, you know, the people I've dealt with online are very positive and very welcoming. So yeah, I think you need you know, an, an open mind is the, the first thing you need to have. And Although you might be going to tell, you know, your war band story or your group's story, at the end of the day, what you're all doing is trying to tell a a kind of combined story together.
0: Hmm. And that's kind of where, where, like, that's where I like to make the physical objects and things as like the mementos or the things that like run alongside the event is to have that like you are contributing to this. This could go any way, really. We'll find out what happens on the day. Yes.
1: In in that RPG it is a collaborative storytelling experience, isn't it? If you that's ultimately what the narrative is there for. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe saying for running that you know, anyone running it certainly you know anyone anyone who's willing to write a4 a4 and a bit more maybe page worth of background for their war band you've got a good indication there that they're the kind of person who's committed to to engaging with the law engaging with the background and stuff and you certainly get kind of a start to get a feeling of the type of people involved you know for the the war bands they've written
0: yeah and having an open mind about it like you said is really important because some people do want to run a a group of orcs who think they're they're humans like there's nothing wrong with that at all it's a galaxy's a big place and it might seem a bit silly on like the when you describe it it's like okay well how does that fit into our universe that's you know they want to contribute that to the story let's find out where it fits in
1: i i, I would say that whatever you're gonna make make your warband if you know if you're having trouble coming up with some idea think of something that you think is pretty normal and then and then there's an extra step what's the what's the maddest thing it could also be <laughs> Like what they, what are, what would be crazy? Like you can't do that. That would be crazy. Maybe you can't do that, but let's just take it back a couple of steps and tell you what, now that's a wild idea. Maybe hmm. Baby, you got a war band going. <laughs> yep. Now you're cooking on
2: war band. I mean, I think we were quite positive to, you know, encourage everyone to have their own ideas, to write their backgrounds. So we could kind of set out people's expectations beforehand, you know, both ours as runners and, and obviously for people who are attending. Um and, and part of that was you know, and this is probably advice for a runner only. But we gave out each warband got a special ability based on their their particular background, and it was just a little thing that was unique to them. You know, and that's what made them special. You know, in the the great world of 40k, what marks these people out as being a little bit different? You know, why why is this story about them? Why are they in the narrative? You know, that why are they the the heroes, as it were, or villains?
0: Mm. I really enjoyed um, it, it. was. It was like an exercise and also just like coming up with fun things to do. And I distinctly remember um, before we ran the event, I think it was, we were still in just choosing rules phase. And I came up, I went out for a run. And that's when I get most of my thinking doing. And I'm not running right now, which is why I'm not doing that much thinking. But what I remember going, ooh, we're thinking about hacking. And we're thinking about like, what happens if people in our games get hacked and then I was like, "Oh, what if someone who's getting hacked had to play a game of Blackstone Fortress to prevent themselves getting hacked when that happens <laughs> and you have a sub game of it. And I remember writing it to Drew very like in the middle of a run and Drew just saying, You no could we not do that that's a great idea but no (laughs) how is that going to fit in and it's like oh yeah it's a little bit ambitious but it's it's fun to have those ambitions to think Mm. about where something could fit in and then to like Mm. actually we can roll that back but also we're still dealing with this other thing and keep like those ideas bubbling away and thinking about them when you're in the shower and when you're out doing your mandatory exercise and stuff
2: yeah, I mean, there's there's never a good idea that you can't use later, which is years of running various things have taught me is that you know you always write your ideas down because yeah. you will use them.
1: And if you've had a cool idea, even if it's uh, even you know if your first attempt doesn't uh, is not feasible, doesn't mean there's not something to be gained out of it. Like, you know, if you, if you maybe maybe the idea of a hacking minigame based on Blackstone Fortress is a bit much, but that's not to say there couldn't be a different hacking minigame maybe you do have to do something else on the side to stop your brain getting fried or whatever mm,
0: i've heard of it doesn't have to
1: be about St. fortress but you know
0: could be fun. i've heard of some games and it does it's really an opportunity to like sell the narrative around the game table as well and i think it's something which we didn't really have that much time to do i mean time is always the biggest thing and effort and the you know amount of planning that you know two people can do to run the event and then everyone else can do to build their things. But with more planning and more time, there's always those things which you just think, Oh, if we could just do that. And when I remember thinking Mm -hmm. about, Oh, we could use, um, uh, what's the game? Um, Oh, I've forgotten what it's called. It's a way of making little pixel 2d games and use them as the hacking mini mini game. So if someone went up to a control panel, you get out a laptop and say, okay, play this game on my computer, which (laughs) I have made that's your hacking game, yeah. and we're going to hide lore and things in there. Is it Bitly <laughs> or Bitsy? Bitsy? Something like that. Mm. Just making cute little 2D pixel games and seeing if that could be something which could roll in. But I've heard of other events and campaigns which have like data slates and stuff like that, which are handed out.
1: Maybe you've got to solve a random seed
0: hex cells puzzle. Oof. That sounds <laughs> cruel.
2: I mean, I think that's the other thing. We can talk about running as well. I mean, I I think we wrote probably twice as many missions. We ran it as a kind of uh, missions flowing through from one to the other. So there was like narrative, branching narrative uh, missions. You know, if you kind of snuck in through a pipe, you might come out in a factory area and then your next mission's going to be in the factory. Whereas if you climbed over the front wall, your next mission's going to be, you know, in a watchtower or, so, you know, the, the front yard, as it were. And I think we wrote maybe twice as many missions as we ended up running and because we had no idea, you know, this was the first time we'd run this style of event, how quickly people were going to play through them. So although we had a lot if it was needed, you know, we we were able to rehash and update things as we went along to make sure that it stayed, you know, engaging and we weren't, you know, it wasn't a fixed timetable that was going to break everything if we didn't stick to it.
1: I suppose the good thing is there is if you once you've invested that time in those missions, okay, we didn't play them, but when you do a next event, tweak it a little bit and I'm sure they'll be good to go.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we did put put a lot of effort in because we uh, we made terrain for it. You know, we made little custom models and stuff. And then we wrote the AI system and things. So I think we were definitely making it as hard as possible for the first <laughs> event.
0: Uh, it, it is one of those things where now we've done it once, it's easier to do it again. Like most things, like you get excited about the first time round, and then you figure out what works, and then you move on to the next. Or we were planning to move on to the next one, and then we didn't for reasons. Yeah. Mostly the world. But.
2: What's outside? What's
0: outside? <laughs> so now we just start talking about it. But it's actually quite fun that this has been the first time we've really sat down and talked about it as a thing. And like post event. Yeah. Post event. It's only taken us a year, but yeah. Yeah. So that's great. That's kind of almost everything which we could talk about around our event. Um, I think as a really nice way to close out this conversation is to, what would be a suggestion of like the quickest way to get into making like an Inc. 28 war band or something? If someone is so inspired by us rambling on about like how much fun we had doing something and you want to get on in there and start experiencing it for yourself. Mm. True. What would you What would you suggest, like as like one box of minis, which you could do something with?
2: Okay. Um, I, I might cheat. I'm going to suggest two boxes of minis and and use them as an example. I think, if you just wanted one box of minis and you had no bits and you just wanted one box of minis, I would say the Palanite Enforcer Patrol from Necromunda is a, is a very good box for quite neutral space people, and there's quite a lot you can do. With that, because they're not, they're not obviously a Space Marine, they're not obviously an Imperial Guardsman. That they're quite neutral, and they've got quite a lot of bits in that box. So yeah, if you'd no bits and you had no, you know, no existing experience of anything, that that would be my suggestion there. Then I'd say if you did have a few bits and you wanted to make something, you know, a bit weird, a bit of a challenge, I would go with the Worm Spat Warband from. Uh, warhammer underworlds and and the reason i'd say that is because you've got three models in a box they're all sort of fun quite characterful big folk but you could do quite a lot to change them to make them all quite different uh you know a good range of poses and i think all the kind of underworlds warbands are like that but because they're not multi-part kits you're gonna have to be doing some cutting so uh yeah those are my two suggestions if you want to something totally bare bones Panthen Enforcer patrol, and if you wanted something to give yourself a challenge, Underworld's Wormspat Warband. Tom, what would you say?
1: Nice. I think you you, you made a good choice there, Drew. You went with something you know, the Panthen Enforcers, good Wormspat. That's really that's really interesting. Where you can really go, really go outside of what you might imagine is Ink Twenty Eight, and it's really it's a good choice. I would say, probably for somebody, I'm going to assume if you've got a little bit of GW stuff already, just get a box of Sicarian Ruststalkers because good lord. Those robot pieces are going to take you a long way. There's a lot of robot arms, there's a lot of robot legs, there's a lot of skulls with antennas, and it's going to do an awful lot for for catching that. It's quite uh it's quite blanching with sort of you know oh I need a computer better have a skull with it, but it's it's cool. It's a really 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 nice kit with loads of different pieces in it, loads of extremely gribbly bits, yes. and it's highly highly
0: good. James, what about you? It's got those legs as well. The The legs of the Rust. Yeah, the legs are is, fantastic. It's just amazing, I think. Yeah. Uh, very good. Uh, my recommendation would be the Unmade Warcry gang. The ones from. Are they from Shyish? Is that where they're meant to be from? Mm. And they have got. They are some of the grimmest models, I think, as <laughs> little horrible human cultists you can get. Yes. Positively gruesome. There's the guy pulling his own face off. Like Nick Cage. But it's just surprise. Yeah. He's just a just a just a cheeky surprise guy. Shout out to him. You don't have to use um, them as that, but I think as like a really sort of like dirty, mad max, just torn loincloths mm. and straps and a few shoulder guards, they're a great starting point. And then you also get that big creepy guy with the head on top of the head and see what you can do with... Yeah, the leader is very creepy. Yeah, indeed.
2: I mean, it is 40k, so they could just be really extreme gardeners. <laughs> um, and how is it, you know, how do you want to be a good gardener? Just have sickles for hands.
1: You've been sentenced to gardening forever.
0: Well, there you we go. It's on the AgriWorld planet. That's all he had to do. He had to <laughs> yeah do the reeds on the AgriWorld. Yeah, yeah got yeah. a chop. That's the idea, but I think that one, I, I, I'm going to just throw in a second one of basically just buy the Cordor gang for Necromunda. if you're out of ideas and you want to do something.
1: I th- I think most of the Necromunda gangs are also a good shout. Yeah, any of those. And they're
0: quite cheap as well for what they are, really. I think they're about mm. £25 pounds for a uh, full box. It's pretty good. Yeah. So, I think to wrap up, we're also going to just go through a few of our um our favourite Uh, resources and people who could be inspirational for the uh if you're looking to get into this so um drew would you like to lead on something inspiring
2: i think the go-to place on the internet at the moment for ink 28 stuff is the 28 mag which is 28 Hyphen mag.com and they are a fan magazine who do absolutely great work sort of bringing together various ink 28 content and sort of publicizing it really kind of expanding and and kind of capturing what it is to be you know what what options there are in ink 28 James
0: uh I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a couple actually I'm going to do in on Instagram it does these huge multi-part so many bits involved um it's very strange, very um uh, Baroque kit bashes and I think those are absolutely fantastic. And I'm also going to say there is an Instagram account called the Grimdark Film Club, which I don't know whether you, either of you follow, but it's um many kit bashes. It shows some of their work, but then it also shows some of their inspirations. a, a film, a movie, uh, an album and then a little bit why that inspires them to create such creepy little minis. Yeah, and uh Tom.
1: So yeah, I'd say um you can just Google John Blanche to be perfectly honest. Um that's gonna get you a lot of the weight. This is if it's if you haven't seen his stuff it's it's um it's very otherworldly and it's it's a very distinct style. It's it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Um as for somebody specific you can go to uh like exprofundus.com it's very good. Just having a look at the, the gallery the the things they have there and they are they are very they're extremely grimdark but they're very very imaginative conversions and
0: kitbushes on there so that's uh dot
1: com. nice
0: nice so i was just looking up and i just realized i have a, a all of the john Blanche playing cards in a frame above my desk Oh nice. because they're nice. so good and you can see so many design cues you've got the rust stalkers and you've got um nice uh like some of the blackstone fortress the uh navigator and things was in there so mm. you can see how they probably just put him in a room and just say draw for a bit and then they've just been making those <laughs> drawings ever since then that old games workshop Um <laughs> uh, i think we will uh wrap up about there so thanks for listening i'm james you can find me at alone music on twitter and you can also find me on instagram at alone music uk
2: tom
1: i am at t n dines d i n e s basically everywhere twitter and instagram true
2: and I am, I'm most on Instagram, and you can find me as Drew underscore paints, where you can see, uh, yeah, some of the stuff that I've come up with, and possibly, I can't remember if there's anything up there. There's actually some photos of our Inc. 28 event, if you go back to around March 2020. Yes,
0: yes, and you can find it's yeah, all over the place. We were very, like, let's tweet and take pictures of all of these things, because it's so much fun. You can find us at tinyplasticpeople.com we write articles we'll probably have some articles about the event which we ran it back in march and right now you can find lots of other articles about kit bashing and uh chopping up your models um making terrain and more so visit us at tinyplasticpeople.com or drop us an email at the tinyplasticpeople at gmail.com so let's close it up uh goodbye everyone Toodles. Bye. Cheerio.